Monday, March 14th of 2022, marks four years since a beloved changemaker, councilwoman, partner, and mother was assassinated in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. If you're tuning into this episode and you haven't heard part one of this story, check out episode three, The Assassination of Marielle Franco, part one, before you continue. I promise you'll want to hear all of the twists and turns and conspiracies before you dive into part two. If you're all caught up, join me. As today, we close out the story of Councilwoman Marielle Franco by detailing the investigation into her murder. And make sure to stick around till the end if you want to hear about ways to honor Marielle's life and legacy through advocacy options to help her loved ones continue her fight for safety and justice in Brazil. I'm Tamara Hill, and welcome to Right the Wrong, a podcast for people who love true crime, care about understanding the world, and care even more for the people who fight to make that world better. This episode may contain language, scenarios, and situations that aren't suitable for all audiences. Please prioritize yourself while you listen. From the start of the investigation until now, there have been numerous arrests made. Some in direct connection to the assassination of Marielle and the murder of her driver, Anderson Gomez, and others in the many parallel investigations into corruption that were sparked by the assassination. But today, I'm only going to go over the arrests that are most important to understanding the assassination. According to reporting done by Gazeta do Povo on March 12th of 2019, only a couple of days before the one-year anniversary of the murders, Rio de Janeiro police arrested the two men they suspected of firing the shots that killed Marielle and Anderson. First, a retired police officer, then 48-year-old Ronnie Lessa, and second, a retired military police officer, then 46-year-old Elicio Vieira de Quiros. Elicio was believed to be the driver and Ronnie the shooter. Though the two couldn't be ID'd by security footage or eyewitnesses, because the assailants wore masks to cover their faces during the attack, there were a few factors that solidified the two, especially Ronnie, as lead suspects. First, investigators did find out that Ronnie had surveilled Marielle's and other left-leaning politicians' routines and schedules for weeks before the attack. They also found that the right arm of the shooter from security footage and Ronnie's right arm seemed to have a similar tattoo. And lastly, the BBC details that the police found that Ronnie demonstrated hatred and obsession for any causes he associated with leftist politics or ideology. It's at this point that authorities say that the political motivation behind the assassination of Marielle is incontestable, saying in a loose Portuguese-to-English translation that Marielle was executed because of the political action the assailants took to end her advocacy for certain political causes. According to the BBC, they even classified the assassination as an attempted coup, with the goal of overthrowing the current democratic rule of law. As reported by Radio Havana, Cuba, and Telesur, while the men remained in federal custody, it wasn't until February of 2021 that the Court of Justice of Rio de Janeiro announced that they would be tried in front of a jury. I haven't been able to find any further information on the status of that trial, but according to the U.S. Department of State's country report on Brazil, no trial date had been set as of August 2020. Despite the fact that authorities have who they believe fired the shots that killed Mary Ellen Anderson in custody, they still don't know who ordered and paid for the hit on Marielle's life. 
and I can only imagine how frustrating that is for her loved ones and communities who supported her in Brazil. Because at the same time, we know who killed Mary L.A. and Anderson, but also have no idea who killed Mary L.A. and Anderson. According to the Instituto Marielle Franco, or in English, the Marielle Franco Institute, over 65 arrests have been made to date concerning the case. But still, crime, corruption, and police violence are still rampant in Brazil. So while we search for justice for Marielle and Anderson, let's turn to the ongoing fight in Brazil and learn how we can stay engaged and help in the fight. First, if you want to learn more about this case, there are four fairly comprehensive sources I suggest you try out. First, from Al Jazeera's documentary series, People in Power, the film The Murder of Marielle Franco by Juliana Rufus. It's a 25-minute comprehensive overview of the case, and it's the first piece of media I watched when I dived into writing episode 3. It takes you through Rio, as Juliana interviews supporters of Marielle, politicians, and even the accused councilman, Marcelo Siciliano. Second, I recommend the beautifully done documentary, Marielle and Monica, published by The Guardian. It follows Councilwoman Monica Benicio as she grieves the loss of her wife while continuing to fight for justice and human rights in Brazil. Next, the Marielle Franco Institute has an easy-to-read comprehensive timeline, currently going from the shooting in March of 2018 to February of 2022, which really helps you get the details of the case in an easy-to-understand way through the Franco family's eyes. Finally, I want to give major thanks to the anonymous person or persons who have worked on the assassination of Marielle Franco Wikipedia page. I know often in school, especially in the U.S. and other Western countries, students and academics are discouraged from using Wikipedia as a reference for research. But in many countries, where information can be harder to access and disseminate, Wikipedia is a powerful tool to communicate and combat misinformation and corruption. And for a podcast like Right the Wrong, international research is imperative to our episodes, and Wikipedia authors often provide access to local news outlets, translations, and timelines that I wouldn't even have known to look for, as is the case with Marielle's story. So if you want to read a lot more detail into this case and more Brazilian news articles, check it out. I also recommend following Monica and Marielle's sister, Anaele Franco, on Instagram or their websites. As I mentioned before, Monica is currently a councilwoman in Rio, just as Marielle was. On her website, monicabenicio.com.br, you can follow her political journey and policy initiatives, and sign up for updates right to your inbox. She's also on Instagram, at Monica Teresa Benicio. NALA is the co-founder and director of the Marielle Franco Institute. They keep followers up to date on any happenings concerning the murders of Marielle and Anderson, while also prioritizing their mission of inspiring, connecting, and empowering Black women, LGBTQIA+, and peripheral women to continue moving the structures of society towards a more just and egalitarian world. On their website, you can find details on how to be involved with their work, including donating to erect a statue of Marielle, access to an inspiring Marielle Franco comic book to read and share, detailed research on political violence against Black women, their political agenda, and a yearly essay contest they run, along with much, much more. NALA is on Instagram at NALA Franco, and the Institute is on Instagram at Instituto Marielle Franco. Staying connected to and supporting families is one of the best ways we can support activists and their families from anywhere in the world. 
So give Monica and NALA a follow and learn more about what they're doing to fight for justice, safety, and human rights in Brazil. You can also use hashtag Marielle Franco and hashtag Marco Por Marielle E. Anderson to engage further with this case on social media. If the motivations for killing Marielle were to end her advocacy and stop the movement she helped lead to diversify politics in Rio, it was a failed mission. After the assassination, three of Marielle's close friends, all Black women, were inspired to run for office and all won. Brazil's 2020 election saw a big jump in the number of people from historically underrepresented groups, particularly Black women, fighting to have a seat at the table in government, and to have a say in the policy decisions that impacted them and their communities daily. According to UOL, 2020 had the most women and Black people registered as candidates than any year in history in Brazil. And a lot of that has to do with Marielle's influence. One candidate for office, Arian Orzorio, told Yes Magazine in 2020 that the assassination of Marielle was a catalyst for her and other women she works with. She reflected on Marielle's strength and the power and safety of representation, saying, quote, Marielle was a powerful woman, and she has left behind many seats, but she went to the front alone. Now, they can kill one of us, but what will they do about seven? So I thought, let's go together. If you're interested in following and supporting more black women politicians in Brazil, visit the Marielle Franco Institute and the Collective Community, which Arian is a part of. Both organizations prioritize getting women into politics. You can follow the collective community on Instagram at Comunidade de Cultivas. And as always, if you missed any of that, you can find all of these IG handles, websites, and action steps in our show notes. NALA has spent much of her life the past four years dedicated to uncovering the truth of what happened on March 14th of 2018 and fighting for justice for Mary L.A. and Anderson. As her sister and the person who's been leading the center named after Mary L.A., I found it important to end with NALA's reflections on her sister's murder and how she'd want Mary L.A. to be remembered. She told Keisha Khan Perry at the North American Congress on Latin America in January of this year, quote, If I could choose what I want people to remember about Mari, it would be her fiber, her strength to fight. I would like people to remember her as a woman who left an abusive relationship, as a woman who fought to raise her daughter as a single mother, who never gave up her dreams, who studied and worked for hours on end, but who was always determined inside herself to become a politician to make a difference, especially for black women. This podcast is researched, scripted, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Tamara Hill. A full list of source material is available at righttherongpodcast.blogspot.com. And that link is also in the episode description box. Special thanks to the co-editor and musical producer, Cy the Savage, for our theme music. If you liked this episode, like, subscribe, or leave a review. I read all of your comments, and it helps other future fans find the show. The artwork for Right the Wrong includes a graphic called the Universal Logo for Human Rights. This logo was created by Prijak Stekik of Serbia. The logo is open to be used by anyone at no cost to promote and protect human rights. 
Read more about and get access to this logo at the United Nations Office for the High Commissioner of Human Rights website. I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, you can find the show on Instagram at RightTheWrongPodcast, or you can use the hashtag RightTheWrongForHumanRights to engage further. Thank you for joining me on this journey to highlight the power of people and the power of us all.